0: Welcome to Hatna, where we exchange ideas and explore questions about life. I'm Sindhu, and with me is Anu and Tasha. Today we talk about human evolution, Buddhism, consciousness, and the idea of God, with our special guest, Kento. Let's get started. Today on the show, we are excited to have Kento, a friend of Anu and Tasha's, He is and has been a practicing Zen Buddhist all his life. I met Kento at a party and was immediately drawn to his ideas and his fascinating take on topics we have a mutual interest in. With free-flowing questions, today we look forward to having a great conversation. Hi Kento, and welcome to Hatna. Tento.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. On the spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, what are
0: you? Who are you? <laughs> have you ever
2: popped the question, like, have you ever uh, ponder
1: who you are? That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I feel like there's the, there's a resistance to the question because of the Buddhist background, the sense that, like, ego is delusion, right? Like that, you know, whatever separates you from other people, um, and the world at large is, is at its deepest level is delus- delusory thinking. And so, um, I think I tend to try to avoid even sort of thinking about those things in those terms, which is probably why I'm like slightly resistant to the question. Um, I guess it's, uh in I mean in practical terms though um, that is one of those issues where you're you're looking at identity yeah, what is it <laughs> <laughs> you're you know wh- to to what extent are there like um... Uh, do, are there char- properties of your character that are sort of genuine that don't that aren't merely like markers that set separate you from other people? Where you're you're like oh, um, uh, you guys are brown and I'm white. <laughs> um, where uh, you guys speak such and such a language and I speak such and such a language. Like so much of our identity is that kind of divisive. Way of thinking, like.
0: Where do you think that comes from in terms of like why why even create identities like in general? Yeah. People are quite you know, definitely quite fixated on that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of dictates how their life happens. So, why where does it come from, or is there a purpose for this identity? Is it easy
2: if you like tribalize them to, uh,
1: control them. I mean, I think probably uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons, isn't there? Like, part part of it is is simplification, right? Like, so much of our thought process, so much of our what do we do is um, done in an effort to simplify things to make it um, communicable, which is, good, like, a positive, I think. net positive. Like, maybe it's simpler, but at least, like, you can talk to people about it and, like, mm. understand one another. But there's also this dimension of, because it's a simplification, it's always, you're always erasing part of the reality of something. I think I've Mm. talked to you guys about this before, but like, um, the way that, uh, language works, the way you inevitably, um, take the, the specific details out of something in order to, um, make Mm. it communicable. Um, but then there are these other elements that Annie was talking about too, right? The um, the marketing gimmick. Yeah, marketing gimmicks <laughs> and awareness, which is hmm. somewhere else.
2: And we tend to go back to that uh, to understand who we are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes lay people like us, we I identify. Okay, I'm I'm this tall. Where do I? I connect it to my awareness. Okay this guy told me I'm, I'm this I'm that like in a, a sensory perception yeah perception level. so that sensory perception is how most of the people identify themselves as mm-hmm. that can be manipulated that awareness that you have somewhere stored to okay I only like Nike shoes or I only like Adidas so I'm I'm always wearing crisp outfits and like so that's an idea, even uh, beauty standards, right? What we have is European beauty standards, right? Mm-hmm. Makeups and all that, and you know, like, but th- that's all marketing, like that's all somebody's idea of beauty. But we, now we are measuring ourselves too with those standards. And you're always in a game of, you're going to lose the game. And you're going to, like, get entangled in that Maya. Because that's a myriad of things, right? That, like I said, it's 10 million terabytes of information or something coming into us within one second. We can only take 140 something bytes or something. And we, uh, through our values, we, because there's a lot of information and we could, won't be able so we filter it through our values. simplification you simplify it so that you know you and then we get attached to that idea okay this if if we break down these values right we'll be lost right hmm. to a, and then probably would be like who the fuck am i like seriously who am i am i this all this information am i this marketing gimmick that people tell me who you are this, you are that. You. Am I just that? But so that I'm needs a minute, and that needs a lot of like heartbreak. And now, from
0: what you said, yeah. what I grasped was you said, okay, there's a lot of information going on. Um, you need to simplify things to understand, but the simplification is based on your sensual perception, how what you look, what you see, mostly. The right. values that were given to you. Right. So even in terms of beauty standards, we can only, you know, understand beauty standards because we can see things, right? We can see colors, we right. can see imagery, we can see symmetry, the more symmetrical it is, we are more pleased uh, to, you know, consider it as beauty and things like that. Um, so it's mostly identification, you know, identifying yourself and being even being able to tell that you are this or you're that, that would be limited by senses. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, when Kento answered the question, he said, "I you know he spoke about the more, more in terms of a philosophical man. He did not talk about senses. He spoke about, uh, you know, the idea of the ego itself.
3: Hmm.
0: But yeah, and he also spoke about simplification. And you know, um, why? But my question is, where are we going with this? Why are we simplifying? What is our goal in simplification? Yeah. What are we trying to communicate?" If communication is the, is the point, if, you know, setting ideologies makes it easier for us to work with each other, is it survival? Because if we don't work with each other, are we going to be dead? Or is it something else that we're looking for?
1: I think that that is an important element, right? Like that when you think back to, um, you know, supposed, or supposed evolutionary <laughs> origins, you know, uh, the ability to work together as a group is the only distinguishing Thing. like when you think about the, mm. the mm. other animals that were competing with us at that time um, they're all stronger than us <laughs> faster than us you know in every respect better able to deal with their environment except that we can work in a bigger so group so we tribalized we got we, we got into tribes yes
2: because of external threats right Kendall? yes yeah. so uh, what they're saying is to, to for us to become a tribe, they needed uh, to show there's something bigger than us, like like a higher power, something that you cannot see. That's how the idea of God came about. Oh, so now um, six or seven primates now are entering into Stone Age, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what will keep them together is it survival or are they like if humans live for that long and we see them becoming hunter gatherers and all that um then it'll be interesting to see okay so us we from what i've heard uh, we got together with the idea of a single god or multiple gods or whatever that's what unified uh These people that were living probably by small family means to come together and form villages and then cities and all that, and that you know, if you see all the like all the known civilizations, they always had an idea of a
0: higher power. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, like, uh, so I I, I don't think the the origin of those civilizations bec- was because of the idea of god. the idea of god of this one unifying power of this you know omnipotent you know omnipresent being that came as a result of civilization would you say because obviously when you're a hunter gatherer you didn't have time to sit and think about it there's something that was going to kill you. right you lived in the forest you
2: but to they're saying is it the idea of a god brought people together and then they made civilization. Okay. Right. Yeah. Possible. What do you think?
1: Well, there, there's. I, I think there is evidence for what Anu's saying. So that, um, in terms of, um, certain sites, uh, of course. I mean, we can't know. <laughs> That's you know. Firstly, there's no way of knowing. It's only archaeological evidence we can use. But there are sites prior to the existence of any large settlements, where people from all over a given region, came together to erect a holy site. So, I think it's Jericho is the oldest one that I've heard of. Have you
2: heard of a guy called Graham Hancock? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, he is in the hunt for civilization. So, they say we became, uh, like, we got rid of this hunter-gatherer state 10,000 years ago. But they found a site in Turkey who gave... Tappy or something, I don't remember the name, that was prior to 10,000 years ago and that was a fully fledged civilization and it looks like somebody went in and put uh, stuff on top of, as is to cover the civilization. Interesting. Interesting. So that known history, like the history that we know. This actually goes well with uh, the philosophies that people had before. Like, it's a continuous process. We don't understand. Like, we were in this stage, like humans were, or someone else were in this stage. And then, like, it, so there is now evidence that it, there was actually civilization prior to 10,000 years ago. Like, people, uh, like, the, those are like big structures. They're talking about big
1: structures. Yeah. and And when you think about, like, um, how long there have been hominids on Earth? It's been a very a l- much much longer than we have archaeological evidence for. We, I mean, other than our bones. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there could have been any number of iterations of various civilizations. Although um, there is, I mean, there are certain things that I think uh, it
2: looks like we have a blank period, right? That we do not know of, Are they
0: we know of it through uh, stories well what is what, what is your understanding of how we came into being in this physical form like as humans you know and how obviously we speak about evolution we spoke about hunter-gatherers and then civilizations agriculture became a thing building houses became a thing you know safety was assured and all of that what, what is your idea or what do you what what do you think is the most convincing I, theory could be there, there's I mean
1: there's a book called the descent of woman um which like proposes an al- alternate theory of um human evolution uh the, sort of in contrast to the Tarzan theory <laughs> as, as it's sometimes known of like people coming down from the trees so to speak and like um uh the the her her theory involves uh relationship with the water um you know a lot of sort of physical characteristics of our bodies um are similar to um whales right like we have more fat than a lot of land animals we have long hair um women have breasts these she theorized that these would be um long hair in particular would be something an infant could grab onto if you were going into the water. The fact that infants can swim before they can walk. Um, there's a bunch of evidence she presents. I think people were very critical of her because she was like very, very feminist and maybe was not, um, uh, polite about how she expressed certain things. But, uh, I think she, she makes a really interesting argument. Um, one one of the other things that I thought of that um, I don't know strikes me as interesting, and this is I think something hanu and I have talked about, but like the um, there's an explosion of artwork uh, and an explosion of like tool production that all happens at uh, a certain time in human history, basically at the like, origin point of Homo sapiens. So, you know, Homo sapiens, as we were talking about before, are getting out-competed by a whole bunch of other animals that are are in the same sort of ecological niche as us. Our numbers are getting smaller and smaller at some estimates, and, I, you know, I can't tell you where I read this, but I remember reading it might have only been a, a few thousand human beings. Uh, or Homo sapiens. There were other hominids that were pretty advanced as well. Um, but there's only a handful of us left. And then all of a sudden, at the same time as we seemingly like go from like contracting and contracting smaller and smaller numbers mm-hmm. to just spreading across Africa and then like spilling out mm-hmm. over the whole world, at that same time, we produce more tools in, I think, 500 years than all hominids had in all of human history. And we start making art. Mm-hmm. And this, like, all happens at once. And so I think there is something interesting about that, that... Something external? Um, I think it might have been internal. One of the things that they were saying, um, that... Or some that something I was reading that made me think about this was, um... Uh, I was reading about uh, bird, um, basically bird language, and how there are certain um, birds, not all of them obviously, but some birds have uh, uh, dialects that are so specific, like their language is so specific that the birds in one tree and the birds in another tree will not recognize one another as sort of belonging to the same group which you would think on one level is like evolutionary, evolutionarily um, problematic because it encourages inbreeding. But one of the things about inbreeding is that it produces mutations, right? And if you, if you want, if, if for some reason, for example, you're being wiped out Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like mutating quickly is of greater benefit, even though there's like negative side effects of it, then, The normal process of evolution, which seems to be erasing you from history, then, like, all of a sudden, mutating fast seems like a good strategy. And, you know, humans share some of those, like, weirdly, like, maybe not to the extreme of those birds that can't communicate from tree to tree, but we share some of that sort of, like... (laughs) racist um, sensibility of like, Oh, you're different from me. Do you belong to my group? I don't like you. You know, uh, uh, which once again, that would encourage us to have sex with our family members, (laughs) not to put too fine a point on it, but um, which would encourage mutation, which would, so, so there, I mean, uh, I don't know that this is the case, but it is a possibility uh, as a, you know, an alternative to like the external force that you're talking about, mm. um, that that it was simply a byproduct of, you know, being reduced to such small numbers, and the other thing that they said was, um, human beings in terms in terms of inbreeding, the negative effects are felt much faster than other animals, and part of the reason for that is that we probably did inbreed to far greater extent than most animals on earth that like um, you know dogs can be inbred, inbred for generations and generations without many ill effects it's only when like it's taken to an extreme and you have like dog breeders who are you know so is like do you think there was at any point
2: of uh, human history there was a hand of God in the uh, Hum- humans like
0: populating the earth to this extent before you answer that question <laughs> what do you mean by a hand of God what is your definition of an external of God? Uh, like it could be what it's, is it, it can be uh, an alien what we call alien ok I want to, to follow up on what you just said there was an explosion of creativity could you say that at some point yeah and Would we also say, did language also occur at that point, or did it happen before? It would have had to happen before. Before that. Yeah. So was language a tool for this explosion of creativity? Because you could exchange ideas between people. Like you know, you think of something. I mean, if there's no language, if you can't communicate to the other person, you can't pass on that effort that you've put to you know figure that out, right? So was language a tool of communication which also kind of strengthened us in terms of forming groups, working together with, Mm -hmm. you know, large numbers, even though we had, like, you know, evolutionarily we had, and biologically we had, you know, disadvantage in terms of surviving in this. So tools and art and all of that. And the hand of God, do you think the hand of God or some idea of God was the reason or was the catalyst for this crazy thinking because I don't think any other species can imagine things that's not there, right, as So, much as hold humans
2: on. Do. So, do you believe in Terence McKenna's, uh, that uh,
0: ape, what? Uh, the stoned ape theory. Stoned ape theory? I, uh, it's a hypothesis. It, it's, it's, it's an idea. Do I believe in it? I don't have evidence for that. So, uh, I mean, it's an It is Like, theory. is it something that you consider maybe there. It is possible. Soma. Yeah, Soma, which is a drink, you know, that they used to prepare. And there's still evidence of, you know, three, four thousand years ago, there have been temples or sites where they have... Residues. Residues of, you know, weed as well as other mind-altering substances like mushrooms and stuff like that. And, you know, there are pits where they have, you know, literally... And they, they said the people used to gather there, like, you know, on full moons. That's mostly because you can stay out for longer because it's much brighter, right? Uh, because you don't have electricity. Not, not that, it, that full moon has an effect on... I would heart. also say you know, there were places where people got together. They probably consumed something, or maybe there, maybe some of them did, but there was something going on that changed how humans think in general. And I think that's where all this creative explosion came about. Uh, That's where they started, you know, exchanging ideas. Probably language occurred from points like that where people gathered and, you know, maybe they took use to substance. Uh, It's it's very, very practical because, you know, mushrooms, I'm sure people have been picking up, you know, hunter-gatherers, as we say, they've been picking up fruits, you know, fallen fruits and, you know, trees. They definitely came across mushrooms. They probably tried it out. Obviously, they were not smart enough to figure out what's good and what's not. And maybe they through certain you know experiences came out and they were like, holy shit, you should have Started drawing. <laughs> Started drawing, painting like you could imagine I remember you
1: telling me, um, you're not going to do it again. I I did get bored of it. Um, I do think that and maybe it's related to what you're talking about that and I was talking to Natasha <laughs> about this just a few minutes ago, but like the there's a pattern that began to repeat. And I felt like... I had What's next? Exactly. Like, okay, so now I see the way that my mind is altering my perception of sound or color or light or whatever, and that made it more boring. That made it more, like, uh... Known reality. Yeah, exactly. It was an altered known reality mm. rather mm. than a, The first time I took them much like you, it was a uh, wild and, you know... Mm. Ran out of its usefulness? Capability. I think so. And I think maybe that's, you know. Um, I I feel like you would, like anyone who does them enough times will probably experience that if they're looking for something more. If you're just looking for a party drug, I'm sure you could find it. You could do it every day. And indefinitely. If you're looking for
0: more, I think you're right, it, it, it runs out because there's only so much you could see in there or you could experience through mushrooms. This is great too. What? Like more and more and more and more and more. More Even
2: intellectually you guys want more and more and more and more. Like there's no limit to it and you're going to get
1: depressed at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that's that was that was my conclusion as well.
2: So what do you look in books, Kendra? Like you read a lot. Like I see you consuming one book a day. What are you actually looking
1: for? That's, um, I mean... so Entertainment or...? Uh, partly. I do think there is, like, weirdly, maybe. Um, there is a uh, an addictive dimension to those as well. Um, in terms of what you were talking about before, greed or whatever. Like, I think...
3: Um, once is again, it
1: the quest for knowledge? Partly. Partly for understanding. I mean, to, you know, much like you know, doing a substance in in the hopes of like trying to broaden your understanding or grasp something new. Reading a book does the same thing. I mean it's, it's mind altering in a different way, but like it has the potential to radically transform your awareness of Or is it something
2: that lets you sit, open a book, concentrate just on that so that you can live in your mind for a bit have conversations as as you go through the pages you have conversations in your head oh maybe this maybe that yeah is it maybe it's something uh, something like a
0: meditation for you you know like to, to is there a separate goal in reading a book or is the goal the experience of reading the book itself
1: both both uh, like, it is an inherently enjoyable experience,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it is also potentially, you know, mind-altering or world-broadening or whatever,
0: so... So this quest of wanting to, you know, well, looking for something, in, even in books or whatever, you call it addiction, kind of, it, one type of addiction, so... Uh, if, if they're all different types of addiction. Now if you remove that moral plane where we say it's good or bad, mm. they're all addiction in general. What is addiction itself in terms of your in terms of experience, like your true personal like your how you experience the sense of i e how do you how, how would you define addiction? Is that some form of let's say sorrow that you have not don't have something, but you want to get something, or is it love towards something that you're, you know, looking for it everywhere, what is it? I think there's, there
1: is some evidence that, like, so people have done research on process addictions, Mm -hmm. so uh, substance, or, you know, substances, you can always go, oh, well, like, nicotine is addictive, Mm -hmm. but of course, a process addiction, where it's like something like gambling, the, the, the phenomenon itself, the There's thing the you're subject. doing is not in itself yeah. addictive but you have the experience of addiction and people have sort of investigated this and found that it does have to do with um, you know dopamine levels neurotransmitter mm-hmm. levels in your brain and how they're responding to certain s- stimulus and uh, and I've heard that reading is similar that like and, and actually running. So, you know, Rally? yeah, like if when you when you exercise and you experience a certain amount of pain, um, usually comes about th- through something uh, like a a long distance exercise, something that's like you're enduring for a while, your body will react by producing endorphins, which make you feel good. And the same thing apparently happens when you read a difficult book, like you it, it's actually on some level, painful enough that your brain responds to it and gives you a little endorphin rush to like ease the suffering. Be like, okay, you're you're doing this weird thing. You've been doing it for a while. I guess I'd better make sure you're okay. And like, here's a little treat. <laughs> the weird thing about that is like, so you feel good. I, it makes me feel good. Particularly if the book is hard, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like it is. I think the more rewarding. So yeah. what, what is a hard well, book? Well, like uh, you know, to some extent, any philosophy book I feel like will usually so you do it to for get so into to the guy's, guy's head. Yeah. Who, who wrote it? Yeah. That I mean, what you described earlier was is something I identify with, like the experience of imagining. Speaking to the author is like one of the core experiences for me in reading, reading philosophy in
0: particular. Something that you suggested that I read phenomenology of spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hegel, right? Yeah, I started the book. Nice. Very. I'm like I. It's it's the language is very hard. It's difficult, right? And but trying to grasp that that you know trying to figure out what this guy said two hundred years ago. Yeah. where his thought process comes from, it's, it's like, I'm so stoked that you're reading so, that. Yeah. If
1: you ever want to like, just talk about that or yeah. like bounce ideas off. Cause I know it, I know how brutal it is and like yeah. how some passages are incredibly hard to decipher. Right. Um, please call me or yes. like hang yes. out. I so some, I, I've only read like probably like 50, 60 pages.
0: Or yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Um, no, that is it the preface that you're yes, reading? Yes. It's, it's dense. It's, it's it's dense, it's so dense. I
0: think you should read it and, you know, it's... We'll make aliens appear. Yeah. <laughs> <way. So>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So something, I don't know, maybe I misinterpreted it. There's an idea that I think I got off the book. Um, there's two things, right? The true self and the perceived self. These are just my terms, right? So, mm. just trying. Uh, so I, I think of it this way, like, you know, when we in a dream state, you know, when we go to bed... We know that we are the people we are the person who's dreaming but we also dream about ourselves in the dream so we create the dream we create the uh, the the smaller version of us that's experienced in the dream but we are not aware that the dream is our creation we are not aware that we the perceived self is our creation where the true self is actually you know sleeping but there's a point you know where you wake up you' close to where you wake up you're aware of all three dimensions the dreamed world that's in front of you the dreamed person that's the mini version of you and the dreamer who's actually dreaming the whole thing Mm. now um, so I think in this book there's an idea that says something about the uh, the well I'm going to call it the dreamer and the dream self right it says for the dream self to experience itself it needs to focalize into a point right and that and it, has, it interacts with the dreamer. That interaction is basically what we, well, I would say what we call as love, right? The dream self does not know it's being dreamed of, but it's no. It's not the f- real thing. Mm. We all have that feeling of, you know, there's something that's incomplete. We are here, but there's something beyond this. In, in the hardest of times, you know, mm. you... you you get sick of this dream self, and then you look elsewhere, and that looking elsewhere is where you, you know, love comes. Love is the interaction between love, as we call, what we call as love, towards you know books or figuring out what it is, or you know any addiction. I think is the interaction between the dreamed self and the dreamer. Obviously, it's not straightforward. It's not. So very we are clear. still in a dream then? Most of the Elon Musk says that we all live in a simulation, and right, then you right. know everyone's ready to believe <laughs> it. But yeah, something of that. It's just an idea, right? But I um, also feel. Yeah. Um, I also feel like we it, are. I, I think that's if it's 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 an understanding, and if you can come to that place experientially, like you know, by yourself, without without words, I think that's what a lot of people are aiming at. You know, trying to understand your true self, the dream self, trying to go back. That is why we talk about love when it's God. Because we're trying to go back. It's like the forces of physics, right? You know that you know we well on space time we say, you know, when the star is there it's much more heavier, Earth is on the top. The 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 curvature on the space time is what we call gravity, the pull, the Mm -hmm. thing that pulls to likewise I think the true self is the main thing. There's a perceived self and there's a pull. Ah. Automatically there's a pull towards it and that is what we call love. And the person itself... So the gravity of, is love. The gravity the gravity towards the true, true self, self, I would say, would be love. We misconstrue it. We, we don't understand it clearly. Because And we look at it in everything else. And, and, you know, money and fame. We're trying to reach something more because we are not just this. We are more than this, the true self. So I think that is something that I kind of made... It, it made sense to me when I read the book. Like the interaction, the, the you know... The way you perceive the book could be very different from, from
1: Kento. It, it is, but I I really like the way you perceive it. I mean, I, I find that really interesting and like. I don't, but I don't agree with him with this love theory. Uh, like I've heard it, I yeah. don't agree with it. I maybe just, it keeps him going because I don't <laughs> agree. With it. Uh, but like, I really don't. I can I cannot. What do. about the dream part? Like the I I feel like what you said reminded me of and I've been trying to remember the name of this person for a few minutes and I can't remember it, but he's an American Buddhist teacher, and he talked about, like, the experience of, if you've ever been to a movie, and then suddenly like, you snap out of the story Mm, mm, mm. and look up and see the light from the projector hitting the screen, and you're suddenly aware that you've been in this dream for an hour, Mm. and like but there's a real world around yeah, and like what a fascinating that, moment that is of yes. like yes. oh shit, this is just like I was totally invested. I was like a hundred percent in this movie, and then like something tweaked me out of it, and I looked up and like I'm all of a it's sudden. It's a oh, movie. It's just a story. It's just a. It's playing in front of us. Yeah. that's what he's trying to. And him and him. I feel that too. I feel that. Yeah,
0: for uh, me, like what I'm the true, to the that. movie yeah. I think is played on the true self. The sensory. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, if you take this table, the table cannot see itself from as a molecule within itself. It needs to take itself out, project it into a small focal point outside, and only then it could experience it. Like the movie playing on the screen, um, you know, the person who's playing the movie needs to come out of it to actually see. If you or if you are the screen, you know, you really can't see the movie, right? So, the true self. The nature of true self is that I think it, for it to experience itself, it takes it out of itself and then experiences it. It sometimes forgets that it's just here to you know, view itself in terms of everything that you see and hear and process and everything. It's just the play of, you know, on... on the Maya. On or awareness. That is true. Like, this, the, as I said, the interaction between the true self and the poesy itself that experience is usually comes with a lot of creativity right it comes with you trying to write a poem you're trying to touch into something that's not there physically you derive elements of it and you try to spit it out like rumi if you would say mm-hmm. rumi's poetry or even like you know if like e- european art in general like everything that's about god and these beautiful things for someone to imagine that they have to make contact with something that's much much bigger than
2: Do you know like
0: people uh, this
2: love they express it differently mm-hmm. too like mushrooms were used by the Mexican like the, the the indigenous people to strategize strategize war mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's a form of create that like it's not always beautiful the way you mm-hmm. express it it may not be always. What you consider right or wrong or whatever, but like you can, it's just an expression. Like you have, like like you say, like it, they are, these are all tools for you to understand your true self. Probably there's no karma or something attached to it. Like you, once you understand how the how the process works, you make use of things. Like Ashoka, he he says he it I don't think he did, but. Uh, I think people have to go through the experience and express yourself and then at least come to an understanding this is what it is and then probably uh, the eight years that we have, probably some for some of us it will be shorter or longer. Uh, uh, understand it like this is just an experience and then probably go to the afterlife and become the light uh, or something. Uh,
0: maybe I would want to read... Uh go to you, just to see if I got this right.
4: The science of this pathway is the science of the experience which consciousness goes through. The substance and its movement are viewed as the object of consciousness. Consciousness knows and comprehends only what falls within its experience, for what is contained in this is nothing but spiritual substance, and this too as object of the self. But spirit becomes object because it is just this movement of becoming an other to itself, i.e. becoming an object.
1: background to that i almost don't want to ruin it for you because it's (laughs) i feel like your interpretation is good and interesting um partly maybe because you don't know this but anyway i'm going to tell you anyway because i can't resist (laughs) Um, so so there's there's a his predecessor ficta who i think i talked to you about that that night as well Um, he has this this sort of description of an experience where he says like um, there's this thing that goes on, uh, and this like relating to objectivity and subjectivity. He says, uh, you know, he instructs his students to think of a wall, right? Students think of a wall, unconsciously because it's like as soon as somebody says that, think of a wall. Think of don't think of pink elephants. <laughs> so you think of a pink yeah. elephant. So so their minds direct it, direct it themselves toward an object, and then. All of a sudden he's like, okay, so now think of your mind thinking, right? So that activity, that thing it did when it went to the wall or it went to the elephant or whatever, like that's the like infinite magic of cr- sort of subjectivity. Like here's this like experience, right? Like here's this space where you're, you're sort of, in if you're alive and you're living and you're thinking, you're aware of this kind of move mm. and this capacity for movement. Um, but as soon as you look at yourself, you're looking at yourself as an object, as a fixed mm. thing, just mm. like a wall, mm. just like an elephant, you know, like mm. you're just it, so that the there's always this gap between the mind. That is seeking to understand itself as an experiential fluid mm. you know um infinite potentiality and um the like limits of the mind which always encounter it as a mere object and that that's part of what Hegel's talking about there that is interesting yeah very interesting um, Anyway, give it another read with that yeah. in mind and like see if yeah. it changes your perception <laughs> at all. But uh I do I don't think your your description is bad. I I mean, I think one of the great things about Hegel and one of the great things I think about all of the people I really love reading is that they bear multiple interpretations. Like if you read him, you know, there's at least like five very strong contenders for explaining what that book is about. Yeah. And some of them are mutually exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> and like but but you can't almost say that like, oh, this one's wrong because they're all they all have something to them. And there's a bit of resonation in Exactly, exactly. And like when I think about one of the things I think I like about that book so much is that he's it seems like to me that he's trying to do multiple things at the same time. And, like, that's kind of what makes it so exciting, that it is the story of one person looking into themselves and, like, experiencing this thing. It's also the story of, like, a group of people. I think he's probably thinking of German people Mm -hmm. sort of coming to awareness of themselves as a culture,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Because up until that point like everyone in Europe had basically been kicking the shit out of them and telling them what to do and like all of a sudden they've become like conscious of their own power and their ability to like um, control their own lives Um, and then it's also the story of like the concepts kind of coming to self-awareness as well so not just like individuals and not just groups of individuals but like the actual concepts that human beings are using in a sense becoming self-aware which is obviously that's a that's a little uh, like weirder to describe but
0: I feel like it's about that too this is very interesting because um, I well we come from a culture where very similar ideas have been discussed Mm. but in a completely different way and there was never well this intense structure to that, you know, explanation or commentary, like what Hegel does, like the philosophy. Yeah. Of the phenomenon of spirit. But yeah, but I think we've come across a lot of these ideas about, you know, what, what is your perception? What, from your upbringing, what would you consider, well, what is the message that everyone's been trying to pass on to you in terms of, let's say, spirituality? Uh,
2: nothing, it's just the ritual of uh, my my family is very no in terms of what you've learned what you have understood basically. so there, there was no like we we consider spiritual like my family if you're asking about they are uh, because like well, I, I won't go it much deeper but like uh, they are in the like many uh, people but they are in that uh, ritual doing thing okay at 12 o'clock this is actually happening. Mm. Uh, at seven o'clock, you offer flowers. At uh, eight o'clock, you even though there is a statue of Buddha, you offer food, that whole ritual thing. And they're so scared to break those rituals to the point where we, if we leave, if there's always somebody in the house to do those rituals, like let's say you're going out for a few days or a month or so, there's somebody doing that ritual for them when they're out they're very the lamp is lit and the food is scared. Scared. Okay. so they're very scared to break those rituals and we chant pirit and you know, the sutras and all that and I was taught to read those sutras when I was young like very young And did you ever understand the meaning no, of I did the sutras? Not. I, absolutely did you not did you ever think of questioning that? No, I did not. Did but I was scared of the rituals you. too because I picked up from my family. It,
1: my my experience of Buddhism is almost the opposite of what Anne was talking about. Like it, it was like, but but this is partly because that's that's the Zen tradition, right? Like the Zen tradition sort of begins with this. Like uh, I'm trying to remember where it's from, but it, it's uh, the line is non reliance on words and letters. Right, Mm -hmm. like that's the core Zen belief in a way is like, which isn't like oh throw the sutras out. It's just like, keep in mind they're just words and letters. They're pointing to a reality. That's where we keep our attention. So the selected
2: few can. So we were to make that jump, right? Yeah. This far now. Because it has been prevailing for so long in the country, they are stuck at a certain point. They think, the letters and words and the rituals are the thing. Yeah. There's nothing beyond that. Yeah. Or there's these monks who come and preach certain shit like that's not even what this guy is trying to say. Yeah. It's some mediocre shit that's happening outside and they come and... So these guys, everywhere, this is how they listen to that uh, mediocre shit. Uh, so they fold their hands and they think God is speaking to them. It, it is not. Yeah. And it's hard for me to break that mold either. Even with my own family, I have to admit, you know, like it's hard to break the mold. It's, yeah. not, like, uh, it's not like they're stupid or anything, but they, they're very scared of breaking the mold. Maybe fear of the unknown, I do not know. but
1: yeah. um,
2: They're not making the jump.
0: So that, how that's did how. that difference happen in Buddhism, like in Zen Buddhism? and then, what, what, what No, even even like let's say a foreigner
2: comes and starts reading Theravada Buddhism, they would have a better understanding because they come with a blank mind anyway. Mm. They come seeking, they want to learn what's there. These guys think they already know it, mm. right? This is it. The ritual part is it. And it's not like... They, they're, they're not going to go... Like Only a few will actually break down the barriers and go, you know what? No, maybe it's But are there else.
0: people left in the system who actually know the truth? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. I see. I see. Now I see a lot of people deciphering it in another way. Mm. Yes. But the traditional Buddhists don't want to accept that as a thing. They attack them for,
1: you know, breaking that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. Right? Yeah. That, that, I mean, I do think it probably happens in every every religious tradition. that. Uh, I see that happening when we come to, the, because
2: we come with a clean slate, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. What you don't see here, we see that. Yeah, exactly. Opportunities, this, that, how to work it, you know, we see that yeah uh, that's how you can come to our countries and
1: uh,
2: like have that knowledge that we that is right in front of our eyes but we don't see yeah yeah
1: and that's fascinating eh? that like we're blind to the things that <laughs> and we're the, and the in. fact
0: that it's just right in your face yeah everywhere you go in Sri Lanka like mm-hmm. it's in your face like you can't walk hundred meters down the street there you're going to see a statue of Buddha with flowers yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you know and, and it, it's um, and it's funny that it's right there for everyone but they, they're good at protecting it and carrying it forward they've done that for thousands of years now they've kept it going they've always had the messages on the ground it's just that you know a majority of them I would say just don't understand what it is but they take up the responsibility of carrying it forward yeah. they teach their children they teach their grandchildren it's, it's a thing that you know The law is based on that, you know, how people value people and things are based on that, how their future goals are based on those values. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. There's a great, uh, thing
1: I've been trying to, I've been trying to write something that's about, uh, so there's a Japanese Zen teacher named Zen Master Hakuin who, uh, he has this line about finding disciples, which I don't think is a thing in Theravada Buddhism, disciples, but, like, in Zen, it's a big deal, right? Like, if you're a big, if you're a Zen teacher, it's, like, the whole goal of your work in some ways is to find the appropriate disciple who's going to carry on your work. Your work. But, you know, the the work of the Mahayana, I guess. And, like, so he has this interesting moment where he's, like, you know, of course, the ideal disciple will be the dreamed-of disciple, the disciple that surpasses you, that, like, you know, re-discovers uh, Buddhism in a way that is, like, you know, even more accessible and direct and perfect than what you can offer. But if Hold you... on, yeah. So this is trying
2: to find words, actually. Mm-hmm. I think what he, like, more accessible, more the, the lack of vocabulary there is to express what they are trying to say, probably. Mm-hmm. Like. Because
0: that message needs to evolve, it yes. cannot get stuck in time. I think, even in India, the concept of having a guru and a shishya, well, every guru wants to have like one students, Stop. Like, a Stop. star people, student yeah, that he's going <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to transfer all of his, you know, mysticism and magic into, so that, you know, it can propagate. Yeah. Um, interesting. But again, the concept of time itself, mm. right? Does you know, the concept of time exist? I mean, I, I think
1: uh, I, I, I'm one of those people that believes that time is, is dependent on human beings. Right, like that if if I understand relativity correctly and if I understand, like, Buddhist teaching correctly, time doesn't actually exist outside of our perception of it, that it's dependent on our perception of it, and that, like, probably insofar as we are not ourselves, it, it isn't the thing. It's like space and time are no. one so, uh, thing. Do you have
2: faith in a Zen Buddhism, kind?
1: Do you really like are you a disciple of certain buddhism uh, i mean I, w- I was saying to Natasha earlier it's like it's it's so deep in my upbringing that to a set, uh, to an extent it would be disingenuous to say like oh i'm not i'm a i'm my own man like that would be a lie um, so then, uh,
0: i could relate as well if someone asked me are you are you a hindu or whatever my, the f- my first response that I There's a guilty feeling in my. The thing that I want to say is no, but that would be absolutely false because everything that I am, my the way my mind. Do you is pray? Made, I don't. Well, I I meditate. No, do you pray? Like no. you do the ritualistic stuff. No, no, I don't do rituals. I I'm very fascinated about rituals. I try to find meaning in why certain rituals lasted so long compared to the other. Why
1: it didn't run out of its
0: usefulness? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, do you pray it? I think pray? I would say no. I mean, I, I chant, which in ch- in many respects sounds like it's the same thing, but but I think because it's essentially a like a, a vocal meditation, it's not the do same. Do you do it every day? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, Is there a time that you do it? Usually I do it while I'm walking, so if I'm, you know, like if I'm walking in the park, that would be ideal, but if I can't, I'll walk to work and... Chan while I walk to work, while you, I know you walk from work to. Yeah.
3: Do
2: you do the same chanting? So, sometimes I mean I am much better at doing in it morning. in the morning than I am in the afternoon. But it definitely happens
1: in the morning. Yeah. Sometimes in the afternoon. Exactly. Sounds exactly. like a ritual. There's yeah. a, there's a so the the second part to the Haquin story is that like yes the the ideal disciple is the the dreamed of disciple he surpasses you she surpasses you over you know etc but if you can't find that uh, he uses this very weird language of like you need to find someone with a uh a mouthful of blood whose teeth are like knives which i take to mean like someone who will hold the line like like just find somebody who can like Okay, they're not gonna surpass you, so they're just gonna have to hold the line until someone comes along who will. I I, I I, like at least it's not pushing it. Back. Exactly, as it, and, and but I think sometimes maybe what we're talking about is like that that. We are holding the line. We're holding the line, and and maybe it ends up actually pushing us back rather mm-hmm. because because you're you're kind mm-hmm. of. You don't want to break with what your teacher said, um, because you know you haven't surpassed them, and so you you won't allow change. So the the the, the funny thing, Kendra,
2: they don't now they don't even want to like break that line. Yeah. Yeah thinking that's disrespect for the very scared. To
1: the, you know, who, the ancient person who came up with this wonderful ritual, like, how would I, like, why yeah. would I insult them by, you know, making this alteration? But it's like, that person probably just made the ritual in the hopes that somebody would come yeah, along yeah. who could and break it. it. <laughs> <Yes. Because laughs>
0: you know, th- that's, that's actually what's happening. <laughs> So, Kento, tell us more <laughs> <What> about sex. <laughs> yeah, what about sex? <laughs> I
1: I also like it. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you like uh, it?
4: Yeah, yeah. Of sex do you like
0: good. it? What? Sex. Yeah. What well, what what do you think? Like, what is your take on sex and sexual life and?
1: Uh, I mean, keeping
0: in mind everything that we spoke about earlier yeah earlier. yeah
1: I mean I think it is so so there uh, I guess I uh, I am of two minds about it like I do think uh, you can turn a lot of that energy to something spiritual if you don't do it but <laughs> I, I don't feel like that the, the, like I don't think that there's any obligation not to have sex so that you can turn it to, uh, you know, I, yeah, there's I, no judgment. I, I, I get yet. the point. No yeah. judgment there, but, yeah. but, like, you... Because it's considered as a sin at some point, right? It's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people so think... So for you to say,
2: you know, like, it's okay, you have your sex.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah, you know. yeah. But it is, I, I mean, it is interesting in that, like, um, I, I, I feel like I think a lot about beauty... And I do think um, it's kind of the prototype uh, for our experience of beauty in a way, as like here's an example of something where you're uh, completely engaged, ideally, right? Like you know, not, obviously there is like other there's bad sex. It exists, but like, it, 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 <laughs> but but if if it's good, like you're, you're what totally bad eng- sex good? I, I think maybe something where you're not fully engaged, right? Like uh, something where your mind and body are <laughs> in two different places or, or whatever.
0: I'm thinking, he did say, you know, you could use that energy somewhere else. Like, well, what kind of energy are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, you know, the amount of time that you spend thinking or wanting or doing sex? Both. That you could, or is it something more than just
3: the time?
1: Yeah, both. So, so the time definitely because like that—that's a huge. I, I was talking. So my one of my roommates is my brother, and I before he met his girlfriend, uh, I remember talking to him because he was spending like so much time on these apps, like like an insane amount of time. And I was like, "Wow, like you spend a lot of your energy." It was like, "Yeah, I can't think about anything else." And I thought that's interesting. Like, I I think I do remember that from being younger. That like. So I think what he's referring to, Kento, is, like, is there this,
2: like, the, there's a prana kind of thing that mm-hmm. you have inside?
1: Yes, so that's the second half. Like, yes, there's both the sort of time and energy of, like you're thinking about this thing that you could be maybe devoting to like something else but there's also I think Is
0: there a biological element to preserving that energy and is that something that you could be used for something else? Yeah. Yeah. Big question. What is the purpose of life? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What is the purpose of life? Why do we do all of it? What are we supposed to be doing? Why do we exist? No. In, in as Kento, what would be your utmost goal to achieve?
1: Oh, okay, the so 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 it like this is the small me talking, mm. right? Like this isn't the universal consciousness. This is like me as yes. a little yeah, ego. Yes.
3: Yeah.
1: I feel like the the thing that sort of seems like I can do it consistently, and that like as a goal it seems realistic, and so on is just being better than I was right like that I started this life having certain limitations you know ethical physical um emotional whatever and that like that I would like at the end of my life to be like okay I overcame some of these you know that like maybe I haven't achieved any kind of like deep enlightenment but that I you know I'm not afraid of the things I was afraid of, or I'm not. What were you afraid of? <laughs> oh, what, what, what were those barriers
0: that you overcame? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like. Is there a significant one that that you would say this is the this sounded or felt like I've taken a huge stride to forward.
1: Um, I think there's probably more than one. I mean, I okay. I feel like I was very. I, f- I think fear has been a, a force in my life that I um, resent and that uh, fear in the sense can you feel insecure
2: about like let's say fights and all is that
1: what are am referring Partly, to? yeah. The, Whoa. That uh, uh, physical confrontations. Yes, like maybe this is sort of Stupid information or whatever, but like, uh, when I was young, I was bullied, sort of fairly savagely, and like I just developed a like fear of people, like a fairly strong fear of people. How long
2: did it last? Ken?
1: Um, pro- like the most intense part was about two years, but then like it sort of it the after effects carry on, right? Yeah. Like then yeah. you start relating to people based on those relationships exactly like oh
0: become-
1: like other men are a threat to me mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that, that is like part of my consciousness now and like I I, I I would not say that I'm over it but I would say that like that's been something that I've worked on that I feel like I've grown in that direction that like I am less fearful that I um that I still feel I, I mean I, I I think anxiety has been with me like since I was uh, almost since I was an infant maybe since I was an infant maybe always just born like anxious I'm not sure but um but certainly it was exacerbated by certain things and that like that uh that carried, carried on and it's probably gonna be like this Good. lifetime I'm probably gonna always have to address that but uh uh, b- were you afraid of speaking in front of
2: people like in a group of people if you are to take the stage were you afraid of like did you
0: have stage fright in terms of when you if you become the spotlight of everyone's attention yeah, everyone's looking at you I mean that obviously I would say for me at least I think that's a very vulnerable state to be you know you don't know how the group is going to react so you're quite careful you know you're your biology kicks in. That should be ideally a, a, an anxious state for anyone. But how soon do we overcome those? That may range, you know, in people. Some people might overcome, you know, like break through that early in life, and some people might take a lot longer. Yeah. But is that like what? What? What would you say about such like social anxiety? You know, because this interaction with people is. Quite it's, it's a difficult task not everyone's cut for it
1: yeah I mean I, I feel like I mean, it's also I mean one of the things that I think I've felt about managing it is like realizing part, part of it can be just realizing what your limits are um, and working within those so I feel like uh, this size of group of people is probably my like ideal maximum right like more than four people i start to feel like Mm. i can't keep track of where everyone's head is at right like like you know like the part party uh like that was like too many people Mm. and i could kind of you know if it was just you and i we would like go to a corner and we could talk Mm. for a minute or if it was just you and i or you and i you know that's a dynamic you can make work in a larger group but like my baseline is like that's discomfort right like that's okay i can't follow what's going on and i can't keep track of where everyone's where i imagine everyone uh everyone's mind to be at and so that becomes a state of like uh sort of low level anxiety where i i'll kind of shut down like not not in a like catatonic way but just like I don't talk all of a sudden I'll be like quiet I'll just listen reserved right Mm. Uh, but if you know that you can sort of uh, curate your experience of things right you can say like okay like I'm not going to this party I will go to this other thing where there's only going to be a few people or yeah And that's, it is interesting that like, um, that realization that you don't dislike being with people, you dislike being with people under certain circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a different, uh, that's a helpful realization and it's something you can kind of work with. I forget what the question was initially. But uh,
2: the question was
0: what is the obstacle what is the biggest obstacle that you had to come Yeah, so yeah. Fear. Yeah. yeah. So but even like the fact that someone like you said, if you you need to first be able to recognize fear as an entity before you can overcome it. Most people do like we all suffer from not being able to recognise and compartmentalise certain things. There's no structure to the things that affect us. If you can draw those boundaries, you can isolate them and then you start pushing one by one away. Yeah. So start working in elimination. Yeah, yeah. And that that was
1: very helpful, I mean I think I, one of the things that, uh, uh, and we were talking about this earlier too, like, the because I'm calm outwardly, I did not realize that I had an anxiety disorder, right? like it did not register <laughs> at all as a possibility. It didn't strike me as something that, like, might be happening to me, which meant that it was, like, uh, silently controlling all of these decisions Mm -hmm. that I was making because I was, like, responding to this anxiety that I had no name for Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and that, um, like you say, I couldn't couldn't sort of section it off and address it. Mm -hmm. It was just, like, this pervasive phenomenon that then, like, certain'm making certain decisions based on something based on because
0: they're not aware that it's, it's you know pushing you it's limiting you in certain hands. Yeah.
1: Which is crazy because like yeah. some of the decisions were big decisions big, yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like how did I not know that that was being influenced by something?
0: What is what is the goal of relationships? are they essential? are they not or should we all figure it out by ourselves?
1: Yeah, I mean I don't think you have to. I I haven't in a long time, so I don't feel like, uh, it's a necessary condition for being well in the world, but at the same time, um, well, like I was saying with the sex as a prototype of beauty, it's like, uh, in some ways I think relationships can also be, they, they share in those properties so that, uh, where am I trying to go? Okay following from the stuff we were talking about, bi- biology and its influence on your sort of awareness relationships, there's a whole bunch of things that are um, like determined by biology that influence your relationship. So, you know, yeah. Desire for like safety, desire for sex, desire for a whole host of things that you might want from one person. One person um but i do believe that there can be something behind all those which is like an actual experience of uh like recognition and an encounter with the person that is special without any of those in the background like that there's an actual like connection with somebody not determined by anything but just your genuine <laughs> Like, who you are and who they are coming together and encountering one another and having... Like, that—that that is sort of a prototype of, like, a beautiful relationship, a beautiful life of companionship. Oh, wow. And that... So, like, that's a possibility. And, like... Has this happened to you? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I guess the the, the thing is it doesn't mean those deterministic things aren't there, mm. right? Like it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, now you don't need sex or now you don't need security. It's like you, you still know, need those things. You, that's still part of the deal. Um, and so if those things aren't there as well, it can still break down. But I do think that, that um, you know, in, in terms of like the core experience I've had it, and, like, value it, and, um, but I do think that, yeah, it, it is hard to maintain. It's hard to, um, have that, have those other things not interfere to the extent that you stop seeing each other, right? Like, that that's, um, that that, the core encounter that is, to me, the important part, or to me, the, the part that, like, I'm actually seeking, doesn't get kind of obfuscated by these does other things, these things that you just want. You just, w- which isn't to say that you, sh- shouldn't you shouldn't want them or don't deserve them or whatever, but just that they're um, they yeah, are really the obvious yes. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is there any use in resisting it? Because, I mean, it's widely spoken about, right, mm. you know, people resist sex, people resist, you know, become monks, they give up what they call sexual life.
3: Yeah.
0: Why? And... Is it when necessary? did that practice in human evolution begin anyway? Yeah. Yeah, right? so it, it, yeah, it came up sometime. So yeah. Why did it happen? Why is it... Still?
1: I mean, I do think, uh, to, to go back to my earlier point, like, I think you can use that energy for, Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual gain, right? Like, what
0: is the spiritual gain? What is the end goal? Oh, my good question.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, okay, so, um, Mm -hmm. in, in terms of, I don't know how your guys' experience of meditation is, but like, for me, there's a level of concentration that in the back of my mind is my goal, right? Where I'm like, um, my ability to, like, attend to whatever I'm attending to is sort of at its okay. maximum or something. So you want to concentrate on a task? It doesn't have to be a task. It can be a phenomenon, right? Or a, oh, an experience. You just fix your mind
2: in just one thing. Exactly. Okay. And So that's called vipassana.
1: Yes. Okay. So I think we're talking about the same thing. Okay, so I think if you you abstain from sex you can probably uh use that level of energy that extra energy to power up your your concentration right like i i do think that's something people can do and i think there are people who do do it i mean i uh i was talking to Anu about this briefly before but like my dad's teacher is a She's a fucking badass meditator. She's got sort of abilities of concentration that border on the supernatural, let's say. Right? Like that where she will walk up to you and sort of have your number right away. Right? Like, even though she's never met you... Have you you experienced it? uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes, where she has... You know, we had never met before. She walked up to me and was like... uh, Of course, she also, like obviously has a very close relationship with my dad as her one of her disciples and like chief students is like she probably knows more about me than i realize. but still was like able to kind of very quickly hone in on where i was at and what i was doing in that moment and i do think like I, i maybe i shouldn't know this about her but I know that she abstains from sex. And, like, you know, I think maybe that has something to do with that, that, like, she's Mm -hmm. kind of taken that energy and redirected it and...
2: So it's more,
1: like, carnal,
2: right? Like, sex, now monks and all these guys, they put sex as... It's a a carnal thing. It's, like, very unrefined and it's it's something bad for you. But uh, abstaining it... Probably gives you the power to say, you know, you overcame those like the desires from that's coming from your sensory perceptions to like really act upon it.
1: That resistance probably gives them a little bit of power or something. And probably is an incredible training and concentration, right? Like one of the things that I certainly uh, feel is that like um, your. The, there are a whole bunch and th- this is this goes well beyond uh, sex but like there's a whole bunch of sort of animal behaviors that are part of our life and um, experience and makeup that uh, are w- once again are very hard to see because they're so deep in our um, activity in our way of thinking and our way of seeing the world that it uh, anyway becoming aware of them at all let alone actually like being able to abstain from them or like uh rationally process them i think is an incredible uh spiritual and intellectual training right like that you can look at your um say for example to just to take it into a different sphere but i think it applies to sex too but like Uh, say for example to um your desire for dominance in a given situation to be able to sort of note that okay like i have had this instinctual desire to like establish myself vis-a-vis another person in a position of authority and then stop yourself and go like wait a minute, what's that about? Is that actually important? Does it matter if I, like, how I relate to this person or do I have to relate to this person in terms of one of us being somehow hierarchically above the other or below the other? And then sort of dismantling that, like, that that requires a lot of um, awareness and I think, uh, um, yeah, can be could be an enormous, um, I don't know what the word is I'm saying, uh, s- struggling to find, but like it it can be the start of something very positive in terms of somebody's development intellectually
0: or spiritually. So, is there a possibility of the supernatural in life as we speak? Is, uh, do, do, are there people who have supernatural capabilities? Know about probably extending human capability in, in its physical form. Um, do you are you aware of those? What do you think of them? Are they, are they true? Are they real? Are, is there any substance? I
1: mean, I've def- I, I guess my my only issue with it is like uh, with the word supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, like obviously, if it's in the world, it's it is natural. natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like yes practically speaking um something that like 99.999 percent of us can't do but this one person can and so we can say like yeah it's not normal <laughs> um then yes i, I think that's
2: so uh, even about this whole guru thing yeah this, what i think is like this guy he was there he had a lot of understanding about certain things, and he when you come and talk to him, he was able to give you certain advices, and he became a guru. Not that he had big spiritual understanding, or maybe that too, but more for me, this
0: whole guru thing and was like a in the sense like look at look at it this way, over time, over cultures across you know different landscapes there have always been people who have been revered in in the hierarchy they were higher above but not in terms of material position there's always been teachers who taught you know and they were spreading message and that has happened throughout you know the com- world time and the world yes um, so what are they trying to impart have these people who are c- claim to be teachers let's say Gasiddata Gautama Buddha. Was he actually someone or if it was actually human capability, did he have you know that supernatural? Up, yeah. Or, or <laughs> some Sorry. form of uh, abnormal, <laughs> you know, not normal, not so, you know, frequently characteristics yeah I don't think Buddha like was
2: a single person, but I don't think he preached all of that in one go. I don't think so. He was traveling, it's not like there wasn't anybody, you know, scribing what he was saying. It was like more, how Mahayana, you know how the Mahayana, they so like, uh, I don't think it was, but if it comes, for me, what was good about him was like the ability to just give up and go, you know, like, and at that time to give up certain things that people would have held very dearly and he, I don't want. It. I want have there
0: been else. other people like that
2: that's, that's actually a unique kind
0: like, oh. people say like he so obviously he came from a but it wasn't that unique at that time because it was part of you know the greater India. The cult, Buddha learned he met sages who had already left everything they were you know just in the forest. So it was not a new thing for someone to leave things and go. I think in that part of the world at that time, not that time and I mean even today, like, you know, Godmen are always revered unknowingly, you know, people would just have so much faith in them, right? They 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 think these people are actually much they're a different state. No, but, so but it was but no, for no. him to mm. come like I'm going
2: by the story, yeah. I don't think actually that's the story, but like he he was from a royal family. Mm-hmm. He was next in line to the throne.
0: And he was this great guy but we, we are, we, we, do you think we are talking about what 2500 years ago mm. 2500 years ago being a big king doesn't mean you had huge palaces and you know the number of like there were huge there's so many kingdoms there it's just one small probably yeah. tribe that you know yeah. water. so it wasn't like a huge kingdom that but
2: what was like convenient for being in that tribe or giving up everything and starting from like he was what 28 29 Mm -hmm. so he was in middle age kind of right so and just had a kid just had the wife you know had women all around him Uh, the state was set for him to take the tribal leadership if you may Uh, but he goes no I don't want any of that I want this. That's guts for me. How, you know? how
0: did that... Do you, are you telling me that one decision that he made or that one characteristic is so abnormal that it caught fire and it's lasted for 2005 no, years? No, no. I
2: think it was an inherent thing. Like they, So when he was born, there were sages who came and read whatever has to be read
3: and all that, right? So meaning there were people before him that,
2: you know, gave up materialistic things. But for him to take that, only, not you or me, like, are going to, well, you never know, but like, we are not at that stage. We were at that age, but we didn't give up. Did? When now things are much easier, even as a God man, or god woman, it's easier for you to, like, give up, because you're going to be fed in India at that time. I don't think there were roads or, like, the... the, the like, it was a hard life that
0: he took. But there were also no laws. People could do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Yeah. Like, you know, and food was available freely wherever you could, if you could find it. If you could find it. Yeah, and people, I think... And this really guy went over. into the jungle. Yeah.
2: Right, And he had five years of repent and five years of extreme, this and extreme. that. Then then he chose the middle path. That's
0: did he choose the middle path or did he advise people to take the middle path? I think he took the middle path too. You think the Buddha took the middle path? No, I think so. I, so, I, that, so is that, what did the Buddha achieve or what did... Gautama Achieve. What did Gautama
1: Achieve? <laughs> Having not achieved it myself, I cannot
3: uh,
2: I think articulate. what he, uh, what, uh, he, he attained, uh, I'm sure he attained certain experiences through all of what he went through, and he put it into words. And he was a good marketer, like that's an absolute given. He came to the older city uh, at the time in India where all the traders met and started preaching there in the pretense of uh, my first of my five disciples are from there, so I'm going to go there. He could have just preached and become like St. John the Baptist. He did St. John the Baptist ended up becoming a disciple of... Well, St. John the Baptist was a different guy, by the way. Yeah? Like he, he was preaching something else. Jesus was preaching something else. But it ended up, St. John the Baptist, is now a disciple of... That wasn't the case. So what? he could have been some unknown guy, like, unknown guy. To, there were, like, what, nine or ten... Like, there were a lot of uh, preachers at the time, too, right? He went through all of those teachings, too. And he said, this is what I preach. So and what, what did all of these
0: people achieve, like, Because obviously they tried to tell everyone else about something, right? Language was a problem. They tried their best, either through, you know, chantings or mantras or, you know, or through literature in some parts of the world, in writing. Mostly, I think, in East Asia, at least in, you know, the the subcontinent, there was not a lot of writing. Two, three thousand, four thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, there was not a lot of writing. So a lot of things were preached, but what were they trying to, share what is that experience is my question yeah can you say this is what it is you know is it enlightenment then what is it is is that the end is there anything beyond that I mean I, I think
1: maybe one of the the impediments to sort of talking about it is that it seems like and this this is my feeling anyway that the um that because language is a simplification and because it uses generalizations it cannot like by definition um encapsulate the fullness of any experience however impoverished right like even the tiniest thing language can't actually convey the the fullness of and they're talking about almost i think pretty much all like great holy men seem to be talking about something that is not just a run-of-the-mill experience sense experience but is like uh a very rich experience, to begin with. Yes. And so, yeah, I do
2: think so whatever. Wh- what is right. that rich experience? Without without actually experiencing it, probably we cannot say. What that. is
0: the closest? You know, mushroom trip for me. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But well, you you don't know what to compare it to, so. <laughs> That's true. actually Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but based based on the things that you like, what do you think the Bible says? So what do you think Jesus is trying to say? Obviously, let's assume that Jesus went through, had an experience. He picked it up somewhere. He caught that experience. He tried to translate it in the language that was possible. Obviously, people had different interpretations. Yeah. So, yeah, people had different interpretations. But if you actually, if you look closer, is there a message? Is there a state this anyone is trying to describe? And obviously, they're all very loose in their how they describe, but is there a, is there anything solid, or the closest that we could say this is what it would be like, or in this y- is what you could do once you get to that state, or this is what obviously you don't, you're not you anymore, but is yeah, there anything probably a state of mind, you know, state of mind. So can you influence the physical world, physical form, as you do it in terms of miracles, right? Can you make changes in oh, like physics? can you bend physics? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: there are accounts of people doing it. Well, I've I haven't seen it myself, but <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, I, I do feel like the um, that you know maybe one of the nice things about Buddhism is it's somewhat unique in sort of saying that's not important, like <laughs> you know, like mir- miracles they? aren't. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it that that uh, that element. That you, once again, I'm having trouble putting into words, but yeah, (laughs) that, that there is, there are these conditions that are all around you that are sort of determining things and that, um, maybe that's one of the things that like spirituality is for, is liberating you from those things Mm. such that, you know, yeah, you're, you're fasting and you're hungry. You're still fine you're uh, in a a situation where there's conflict all around you it doesn't bother you you're still at peace you're you know uh, to some extent there's a great like I mean I didn't finish the book so maybe I shouldn't be going on about it but it was an interesting book that was I started that was on uh, like the tradition of hermits in China which is like a wild tradition and apparently used to be a big thing everywhere, like even Europe, um, which I did, I hadn't realized. Um, but one of the things that I thought was fun about it was that like, I guess because the Chinese sort of had this sense that like leaving all the conditions of your day to day normal life, um, behind was such a like huge advantage in terms of being able to kind of think differently and do things differently that they would, like, employ these hermits for, like, amazing tasks. Like, they would go to them when they had, like, not just spiritual issues, but, like, political issues. Oh. Um, like, you know, at one point, there's sort of a, a, uh, I forget which era it's in, but, like, the emperor dies, there's no heir. They go to one of the hermits and are like... Do you mind taking over? <laughs> like, the, there was a real sense that that, like, abandoning your regular day-to-day life would give you this huge... Pledge. Exactly. Undecision-making. Yeah. And and you can sort of see it, too. It's like, oh, shit, yeah. Like, you're not within the constraints. You're, in some ways, in a, in a much tighter constraint because you're totally dependent on others for survival. Like, you, you know, you might go up the side of the mountain and grow as much food as you can, but realistically you will die if people around you don't come and give you food. So that's like a huge restriction on your life. But in another way, yeah, like all of the social things that usually make us behave one way or another. We where we, we distract Yeah, life. yeah. And it's all gone. You're 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 just with yourself. You're just with your environment, I guess, Uh, like your physical environment. And nowadays, because cell phones,
2: like even me, it has become an extension of me. Yeah. We find ourselves in that extension, not really spending some time with ourselves, actually. That must be a battle, too, right? When some people, like, when they really have to, like, spend some time with themselves, when they're actually... Not thinking or like filling their head with certain things and having to be by yourself and accepting yourself too must be a big problem like for them
1: and then you have anxiety and stuff oh yeah like yeah even you know it, there was no like spiritual goal to it at all but I got uh, my friend mm-hmm. asked me to help work on their roof and this was in a, a cabin that was, about, I think it was about three or four kilometers from any other human being. Like, there was just no one near there. Um, Where was this? It was outside of Powassan. So, uh, quite a ways out of, like, Powassan's already a small town. There's only a 1,000 or 2,000 people that live there. And this was, like, you know, maybe... Three or four kilometers. This was, a well, it was about, it was more than that. It was, like, a 20-minute drive from Powassan. So, like, the nearest person was just one other person somewhere down the road. And they weren't accessible by foot really like you you basically had to have a car um and it was a very interesting experience to be by myself and like even like i say even with no sort of intention of it being a sort of a spiritual experience i think it was a spiritual experience just because i'd never been alone that way before i'd never had just no one near me and no how was it It was scary, but good. It was Uh, scary? Oh, definitely, (laughs) yeah. Um, Because you didn't have the comforts of? uh, I think it's more just your your mind when it doesn't have anything to grasp onto, right? Like, I mean, I had books with me, but, but... you know, in terms of like the normal sort of social engagement that you'd have, even if you're not hanging out with people, you'll see people during the day or you'll have like a little interaction at the grocery store or whatever you, you have this awareness of human life around you and that wasn't there. And so, um, uh, you're, once again, your mind kind of comes in and like fills you with things to yes. fear. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember trying to sleep, which I hardly did the whole month or so I was working on that place. Um, You know, just, like... There was a roof above your head. There was a roof above my head, but, like, the thoughts of, like, animals breaking in, which is, like... It's not at all likely, you know? Like, yes, it could happen, but, like, there's no reason to. There's no smell of food. There's nothing to attract them, but, like, that thought would keep me awake or like another person attacking me yeah. you know like it's like once movies. again nobody even knows i'm there other than friends like why would somebody come hurt me but you know it's it, but you were by yourself the friend went away they didn't actually they owned the building but didn't live there right ah. so so they were asking me to fix it because it, uh, some damage had been done to the roof and um, then water damage affected the rest of the house, so they were they were trying to prevent it from getting worse. But uh, you know they provided me with everything I needed to live. You know they were they left food, there was, food, heat, there there was, was water, uh, wood for fire, there was like everything I w- might oh. have wanted. But like in terms of social,
2: contact, how did you come out of uh, the city? Situ- like what when you came out of that place?
3: Mm.
1: Uh, Were you a little different? At least did you carry that thing for some time? I was definitely more like neurotic, I think. Like I remember coming into the city because I went straight from there into Toronto. And uh, I remember like walking past some squirrels and starting to talk to them out (laughs) loud. And I was like, oh (laughs) shit, no. Losing it. There's people around (laughs) me now. I can't do this anymore. How long (laughs) did you stay here? It was just a month. It was oh. just a month. But it was enough to, like, kind of make you really feel the isolation. Yeah. And honestly, like, so much of the, the things that went right with, with my experience in therapy w- was just that. It wasn't even that they gave me any advice. They just listened. They just were there. And,
2: and generally supportive. felt like they were listening.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was also, uh, it was during COVID, so it was one of those things where it's like uh, you're always looking closely at their face because it's on a screen in oh. front of you, so it it was maybe different than some forms of therapy, but anyway, I, I liked it. I felt it was really I, helpful. I, like I
2: said before too, Kevin, I like this whole repenting thing that mm. Christians have, Yeah. so that you, that, that thing that's built in, because the priests actually don't give a fuck.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: uh, He's he's there just to convince this guy you're forgiven. God has forgiven you. Yeah. Carry on with your life. You don't have to carry the burden
3: of sins, what you think has sinned. That's probably actually could be a when,
2: where like, you know, religions make certain things forbidden, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have eaten the forbidden fruit. Now what do you do? Was plan B? I haven't seen, like, an absolutely good person. Mm. Or I haven't met a person that's absolutely wrong. Like, it's... I don't... For me, it's very different. I. What, what do you think? Like, do you think there's absolute rights and absolute wrongs? It's probably certain things, right?
1: Maybe, eh? Uh, I mean, I definitely feel like um, even if they're not absolute wrongs that there's probably wrongs that are uh, pretty terrible and that <laughs> <Pretty>
2: terrible because <laughs> of the value system that we have been taught no
1: no I mean I think you can I, I I guess maybe partly part of this comes from you know the my western philosophy training right like that the actually western
2: philosophy has it better than the eastern philosophy
1: <laughs> how is that
2: yeah because you have the vent option and and uh, like okay uh, the Christianity is the basis right mm. for Western civilization Christianity is the basis in Christianity you have that vent option Eastern there's there's no for us to there's no there's no psychological thing to say okay you're, it's alright you know mm. whatever you did it's alright
3: mm. you know?
2: people make mistakes. You're not a bad human
3: being.
1: Yeah. I I do think, I mean, to your point, like, uh, that's, there's a, there's a sutra in the Mahayana tradition, in the Zen tradition, that's like, uh, the platform sutra. And one of the things, uh, Hui Neng, who's the person who's speaking, uh, says is that, um, like, the fundamental teaching As he understands it, is non judgment.
3: Uh,
1: Uh, Which I think is sort of what you're talking about that, like, that that phenomena are or aren't.
2: Inherently, even the whole of Asia, they don't do that. Mm. They judge. Mm. They judge. Like, I can tell you that uh, from experience. Now we value logic more than uh, like our generation's kind of value logic why we shouldn't be doing it not because God is going to come and punish you for what you did Uh, it's more like oh if I kill this guy I'm going to go into go in jail and I'm going to rot
0: there
2: I'd rather rot here outside in a more gilded cage obviously because we've
0: evolved since the time this concept of God came which was thousands of years ago We've made great progress. Now if you are still right now, if you are still talking about oh God is going to judge me, you know, I'm going to have a judgment day where God is going to question me after I die. So I mean, it's outdated concepts. It's it's such a it's, it's it's a shame that people waste their time on that. At least that's why my my opinion. Why is lying a
3: problem? What is truth actually? <laughs>
1: yeah I guess uh, the, there's a I'm trying to remember where, where it's from. I can't, I can't remember, but there I remember reading somewhere that uh, once again this is from the Mahayana tradition, but like there's a sense that um, uh, or a belief that like a Bodhisattva will not lie because it puts them at odds with reality. Like, even if they know that it's untrue, it still puts them at odds with reality vis a vis other people. Right? Like, and and that you're, yeah, that that if you're like a deeply sort of enlightened being, you should be um, completely, uh, what's the word? You shouldn't be at odds at all with this world. Um, and so I think that, in a way, that's that's the danger of deception. Um, in some respects, is that you're you're sort of fucking yourself up by being something that uh, not yeah and that pretending that to be and that's going to create a dissonance between you and everything.
2: There's a friction. Yeah, and that friction kind of gives you a not-so-good existence.
1: Yeah. It disrupts your but ability.
2: until you understand that, Kendo, right, you're going to do it. mm
1: mm-hmm.
3: Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, that understanding, I don't know how people are going to get it. That's it
1: I think most of us have to try it, don't we? Like, I, I remember, you know, as a, I think probably... Eleven-year-old or ten-year-old, like lying all the time. Like I don't think I ever said a true word. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, One well, thing uh, my father told me: don't don't lie, just be yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people told me that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I really take it. But then I realized after a point, you know, it's not easy. It's 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 very difficult to keep up with lies. I mean, you, because you have to create a different scenarios in your head, mm-hmm. you have to make sure they don't break off with time, they do, yeah, right? Yeah. The, your lies, you know, you get holes in your lies. You can't keep that story up. There are too many lies that you have to maintain. It's a terrible situation. The amount of time and energy mm-hmm. you spend on that is like, I should have lied. <laughs> 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 Why did, did I even <laughs> say yeah. I could have just, you know... <laughs> said the truth. Said
3: the truth that it been it. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I think...
0: I do okay. Truth is uh, the key. Like if you're not truthful, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, like well, maybe materialistic stuff you probably get <laughs> you know to places, but spiritually, mentally, it's a hard job. spiritually, like spiritually at least, if you are trying to understand the metaphysics of yourself, then so what's
2: you, metaphysics, right?
1: Uh, the word comes from Aristotle so so in Aristotle
2: It comes from Aristotle?
1: Yes. So so in his um collected works <laughs> he goes from like logic he goes through logic, biology, this that, physics and then there's a book after physics. So metaphysics literally means after physics. Um and most people take it to be like beyond physics. So um but what he t- is talking about is like the the superstructure underneath physical reality. So, like, what are the. whatever physics is built on top of, that's, that's what metaphysics is. Even about what you told about fear,
2: right, Ken? Like, that's the reason why I asked, are you afraid of physical confrontations? Mm-hmm. I was told from a very young age right don't ever run Mm. don't ever run even if you get beat give it back yeah yeah don't come home and unknowingly it has been there in the back of my mind you know yeah and made me who I am too Mm. so when you are growing up whatever, like, this is, like, taking a profound effect on me, like, what, like, who I have become is actually certain things that I've heard and learned in my formative years, too, you know, and,
1: uh, and it's weird, because it's, like, the, the, one of the things that often strikes me when I hear stories like that, and when I think about my own life, is, like, the things that you grab hold of like that seem to be totally random. It's like,
3: yeah. like it's
1: oh. not necessarily the thing your parent was trying to instill. I mean, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just like a weird thing they say and you're like, that's important. I'm going to hang on okay. to that so the rest th- of my th- life. So,
2: we, I'm sure uh, out of all the things they must have told me, I grasp only certain things. Mm. Was it biological for me to grasp right that thing?
1: what what inclined you toward that thing that there's a story in uh umberto eco where he talks about um his dad oh he he wants his dad to buy him a comic right and the comic it's a like a subscription to a comic and the comic is like it it, uh, tells the great classics of european history and like but it's in a comic book form and so he says to his dad like it not only entertains, but also inform its purpose is not only to entertain, but also to inform. And his dad looks at him and his, he says, uh, its purpose is the same as the purpose of every publication that is to make money. <laughs> and he said like that moment, changed his whole consciousness that like it was so it hit him so hard and he's sure his dad didn't even remember it like Mm. his dad was just didn't want to buy the comic he didn't (laughs) care right he wasn't trying to impart something important but to him it was like at that moment he stopped trusting anyone because he was like no matter what they say, there's another hidden agenda going on behind it. And the it's funny like,
0: thing is, it's always, it's right there. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just that it takes that one moment of recognition yeah. to be aware of a different perception and
2: then everything changes. It's wild. Yeah, but like even the smallest things that they, they must have told us during our formative years, right? Or even during when we were adults and all that, like young adults and all that, we tend to only grasp things that out of thousands of things they must have, they must have called me an idiot and all that. (laughs) You never, you never, I never kept it, right? Like the amount of times I've gotten beaten, not at home, but at school, you know? And I never even, I don't even think about those things and the lessons they were trying to impart on me I don't think I've (laughs) learned them even now (laughs) because no like honestly I I I, I haven't Uh, but what made me grasp that those certain things that I don't know I'm probably questioning myself yes sir that's a good road to take do you believe in a higher consciousness or a god or something like
1: that um I I forget I may have said this to you before but like I I feel like um uh if space and time matter and energy are looked at as one object like one super dimensional object Mm -hmm. um which presumably yeah includes consciousness as well um then God is just as good a name for that as anything else, right? Like, I, I don't... But if, if you're asking, do I think there's, like, somebody in the sky directing events, I don't believe that.
0: Are we microcosms of the universe? What do you think?
3: Yeah. <laughs> We're the universe experiencing itself.
0: In a physical build, are we like that? Like, the characteristics... Or do we have the characteristics of the universe? Or are we just saying...
1: uh that's that's uh one of the things that i feel like uh maybe i shouldn't ruin it for you but that hegel is sort of tries to talk about and that's like one of the interesting things about that book is he tries to like he he's one of those people I, i think it was popular at the time too that like the idea that like if you look at the gestation of uh fetus or whatever you see it going through stages of evolution it looks like a lizard at one point it looks like a bird at one point it looks like a monkey at the end you know like and you sort of and he sort of sees that in human life as well that like humanity is like a microcosm of like or sorry a human individual you see in their development the microcosm of like the development of humanity in general um and i think uh, in in that sort of same vein, like when that stuff I was talking about, but like the consciousness or like um, concept coming to a point of like recognizing itself. I think that's sort of part of his, his so so that we're physically not at all similar to the universe, but that like there is some property of consciousness or of human consciousness, however limited it may be, that is the same.
0: Um, is that evidence enough to believe that you are a product of this one whole consciousness? <laughs> because you replicate certain characteristics, not fully, but how, for example, if I was thinking about this, like how would I describe, or let's say try to you know, find the similarity for my for what I think as consciousness? So I think, for me, I think it, it's quite limitless. There's no boundaries, you know. That, and something that I, I could easily well, match it to would be space, mm. right? The universe itself. Especially after what I've seen recently, the telescope images and stuff. Mm. So space, as we know through science, it has the same properties. And if something that operates me or what I think I operate on also feels, you know, and can be described using the same words that could be used to describe all of universe, I feel like that might be a possibility that we are a microcosm we have the same features of what everything else is made of. Right? So, we, we talk about how there's a solar system and there's a star and everything that's spinning around and you also see exactly every atom also works that way. You know? Um, um, so Why does it have to be science? What is science but facts?
2: Yeah. But it's doing it a catch-up game. Yeah,
0: right? well obviously, obviously. But, like, it's, it's like journaling. Science is journaling. I mean, we're just trying to figure shit out and everything that we're figuring out, we're making a note of. And there's a lot more to figure out. No one tells you, this is it, this is the end of it. We've just figured isolated parts of it. That is why it's, you cannot define consciousness just based on scientific facts because it's not possible. For you to even talk about science, You you operate from consciousness. You can't... Science is not a different entity to explain, you know... Without consciousness and how your language forms, I don't think you'll be able to even take the stance of science.
2: So science is like a new religion kind of thing. No? It's a process.
0: It's what we are trying to figure out. It it, keep, it solidifies and puts things to rest. Ah. Some it's like, okay, we've known this for all these many years. Let's see, certain things we don't have to question anymore. Let's figure out what those easy things are. And now we are recording that they're like, okay, this is done. all this all, of, this is like, now based on this and you know whatever we can, because it's again, a never-ending game too. Yeah. Science is about questioning and creativity. Like, you cannot come up with new research if you don't think crazily. Think that's not that doesn't that has not ever been known before. You have to think like okay, crazy stuff that's not in science for you to produce.
2: So, like how. These uh, gurus and everybody went uh, looking for food so that they can think crazy stuff. Now the scientists go around asking for donations and stuff to continue these
0: crazy thoughts. To fund those crazy thought because you know someone has, to, people have to be fed, right? And for you to sit and think crazy, you need food. So science needs money and people. That science is not one thing. It's not like one man sitting in a basement deciding how everything operates it's 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 people's families it's livelihoods that bills get paid through the work they do some people find meaning in it some people don't but it's 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 one I would say characteristic of entire humanity if you take humanity as one living thing one of its work is to figure out and think like the way you think Humanity, in general, is thinking in objective terms in science. But that's not all. Humanity, in general, also knows there's more to figure out. And you know, there's also certain things that are very experiential, like, for example, this process of self-awareness. or so, you know, there's no science to it. I mean, you, there is. You, the People have tried so much. I'm not aware of something that's very straightforward. tells you this it. It's, it's all over the place. You know, it, it's quite weird. All right. With that
1: note, should we... Okay, last words? <laughs> uh, no, I'm
3: good.
0: <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Kento for joining us during that fascinating discussion.
3: And thank you for listening to Hatna.